I'd like to invite all the children who are here to come forward for our time together this morning. We have a parable to share today. Good morning. Hi, Bentley. Hi, Dylan. It's my parable today. Do you remember this one? Hi, Cooper. Hi, Ryan. Good morning, Wesley. Hi, Bronwyn. Casey, come up. Hi, Keenan. Hi, Ava. I am glad you are in worship today. I brought a different kind of a parable with me today. It's a storybook. It's not a parable from the Bible, but it reminded me of some of the parables that you have been doing in Sunday school and that we've been talking about in worship. Who can tell me some of the parables that you have been doing so far? Yes. The bread one we did today. Yes, the one you did today with the bread. Did one on the Good Samaritan? Oh, oh, we'll have to open that one again then. Mm-hmm. The, mm, the sower. The sower with the seeds. Yes, we have one more next week. Did you remember <laughs> another one? We did the Samaritan. We did the the sower. We did the leaven today. The Good Shepherd. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Do you remember the other one? It's one Bible verse. It's a very short one, too. The merchant. Uh-huh. What was the merchant looking for? The pearl. And one of the things about all these parables so far is, especially like with the pearl and the sower and the leaven, oh, and, I'm, I'm, and we also had a couple of others, they have to do with something very small. Very small. Oh, but it turns out being not so small. We're going to talk about that today. Today is Faith Promise Sunday. Faith Promise Sunday is about having faith in God's promises and about having hope in our future. And so, do you see you up there? Yeah, you're up on the screen, aren't you? (laughs) Pretty fun to be on TV. I have a question for you to think about while we're reading our book. You ready, Keenan? I have a question. What is it that gives you hope? Maybe it's something that gives you hope when you have a brand new idea and you're all excited about something, or maybe it's something that gives you hope when you're having a bad day, just really bummed. You going to think about that? Yep. This is our book. It's called Butterflies Under Our Hats. Can you see? Okay. Once there was a town called Kelm where... There was no luck. If something could go wrong, it did. The roofs of the houses always leaked. The sidewalks were cracked. The gardens were only weeds. Nothing was ever right. Some people said luck comes and goes, but in Kelm's case, it never came. It only went. Others said, there's no such thing as luck. The people of Kelm were certain luck was real. And somewhere, they had lost it. And so they looked everywhere, in beds and in basements, in pant pockets and in pickle barrels, in water wells and wicker baskets. Yeah, you think it's a good place to look for luck? But as luck would have it, they never found any. We never have any luck, they sighed, and so they gave up. They stopped building houses. They delayed repairing sidewalks and they quit planting gardens. 
Then one day, a strange and beautiful woman came to town. No one had ever seen her before. She wore a large, green, a large purple felt hat over her red hair and a long green dress that matched her eyes. And she told the people of Kelm that there was something better than luck. Better than luck? The people weren't sure they believed her. But they listened anyway. Having lost their luck, what else did they have to lose? Tomorrow at daybreak, the strange woman with the purple hat and green eyes informed the town, butterflies of hope are going to fly into the town square. And if you can manage to cover the butterflies with your hats, you will have hope. And hope is better than luck. Some of the townspeople thought the woman was crazy. Nothing was better than luck. But others weren't so sure. The next morning, just as the sun began to rise, the people of Kelm who couldn't find any luck went into the town square to look for hope. And just as the red-haired, green-eyed woman had said, clouds of colorful butterflies appeared. They landed on the ground, and for a few moments they just sat there. Their wings fluttered softly, and the people were very quiet. We have a little butterfly right here. They gently placed their hats over the butterflies. There were silk top hats and woolen caps. There were black berets and bonnets with bows. There were... Felt fedoras and high hats with pink polka dots. My dad saw um, an owl in the middle of a road. And oh, it yeah? was just sitting there just and sitting it there. flew away. I wonder what the butterflies are going to do. There were fancy fur hats and silly straw hats with feathers all covering the town square. We have it, they all exclaimed. Now we have hope. But just as they said those words, it began to rain. And the drizzle suddenly became a downpour, and the people needed their hats. So one by one, they took their silk top hats and woolen caps, their black rays and bonnets with bows, their felt fedoras and high hats with pink polka dots, their fancy fur hats and their silly straw ones with feathers. And one by one, the butterflies disappeared. There they go. Away. Yeah. They watched as the last person lifted his hat and the very last butterfly flapped its wings, rose into the sky. Now not only we don't have any luck, they sighed, we have lost all hope as well. At that moment, the red-haired, green-eyed woman appeared once again. Her large-brimmed purple felt hat had collected the raindrops and kept her hair dry. Look under your hats, she whispered. The people were puzzled. They had seen the butterflies vanish into the clouds. They were certain there was nothing under their hats, nothing under their black berets or bonnets with bows. The butterflies had gone, and with them, their last hope. As quickly as the rains had come, they stopped. The people lifted their hats, their fancy fur hats and silly straw ones with feathers, and looked inside, and just as they had thought, no butterflies. Look, they showed the mysterious woman, nothing, there is nothing under our hats. Look again, she whispered, and then disappeared. It's going to be under there. The people looked under their hats, under their felt fedoras and high hats with polka dots, 
and they could hardly believe it. The butterflies had gone, but they had left a trace of something, a fine, faint powder. They saw it, the trace of the vanished butterflies. And that was all they needed. Hope. The people of Kelm started building houses, repairing sidewalks, and planting gardens. Sometimes their roofs still leaked, and sometimes the sidewalks still cracked, but not always. The gardens grew weeds, but also flowers. And the people of Kelm no longer looked for luck. They found, they found something much better, and it was there all along, right under their hats. What gives you hope? What gives you hope? Hmm, can you think of something that gives you hope? Yeah? What gives you hope? Believing. Believing you can do something. Mm-hmm. Right? Accomplishing something. Accomplishing something. Gives you hope. Yeah? What gives you hope, Bentley? Um, by helping my mom clean up a house. That's wonderful. I, guess, I bet that gives her hope, too. <laughs> I think it does. And sometimes the thing that gives us hope is big and powerful and inspiring, like our music today. And sometimes it's just a little whisper. But oh, when we do, roofs go on houses and sidewalk gets built and gardens grow and so many things grow. And we have hope in that. Can we give thanks for that this morning? Got a hand? Keenan, can you get a hand? I'm going to pray with you too. And say, dear God, we give you thanks for hope, for promise, for the gift of faith. Thank you for loving me. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. just hearing all kinds of stories this morning. It's wonderful. We are continuing our series of Jesus stories today, the parables, um, tracking along with our children on the second floor as they um, are taking a look at the parables in godly play. And so we are doing the same parable with our children. And the one that we are hearing today is very short. In the 13th chapter of Matthew, verse 33, listen for the word of God. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O God, 
our rock and redeemer. Amen. We're going to begin considering this parable um, with the prodding of a video clip from a movie that came out some years ago called Smoke Signals. It is the story of a young Native American man, um, Victor Joseph. He is a member of the Coeur d'Alene tribe, and he has received news that his father has died in another state. And the movie is the story of him and his friend, Thomas Bills the Fire, who travel to Arizona to pick up his father's ashes. And there they meet uh, the woman who was the neighbor to his father, and she has the ashes. And uh, Thomas is quite the storyteller. And so he tells uh, a story about Victor's mom. And so we're going to take a look. Victor's mom makes the best fry bread in the whole world. Really? It's so good they use it for communion back home. Arlene Joseph makes some Jesus fry bread. Fry bread that can walk across water. (laughs) Fry bread rising from the dead. (laughs) Is that true? Huh? Come on, is that true? Way back when, we were having a feast on our reservation. A good old feast. We didn't have a whole lot of food. Just a little bit of deer meat, a huge vat of mashed potatoes, some coke, and fry bread. But the fry bread made all the difference in the world. You see, a good piece of fry bread turned any meal into a feast. Everybody sat at the tables waiting for the cooks to come with the fry bread. They waited and waited. But you see, there was a hundred Indians at that feast and only fifty pieces of fry bread. Arlene kept trying to figure out what to do. I mean, it was her magical fry bread that everybody wanted. But Arlene knew what to do. You see, Arlene's fry bread was magic. Arlene was magic. She knew how to feed a hundred Indians with only 50 pieces of fry bread. She went out to talk to the people. Listen, she said. There are 100 Indians here and only 50 pieces of fry bread. Everybody was mad. There was going to be a fry bread riot for sure. But then Arlene said, But I have a way to feed you all. She took a piece of fry bread, she held it over her head, and she ripped it in half. (laughs) Oh, that's a good story. This story could be used um, to tell the story of the loaves and fishes. It could be a wonderful story to use on Communion Sunday. Um, But I think that this is a good story to get us started on this little parable because of Arlene. She uses her God-given creativity and agency to 
act and to speak into a situation of scarcity and make it abundant. And that sounds like kingdom stuff to me. Does it to you? There were a couple of things, well, more than a couple, several things that were surprising to me in looking at this little parable this week, this one verse. It is called often the parable of the leaven, the parable of the yeast. But it really kind of struck me this week about the figure of the woman in this parable. She is doing one of the most quotidian of tasks, quotidian meaning everyday, common, ordinary. She's making bread, like many of the women during Jesus' time would have been doing day in and day out to feed their families. And so she is the main actor in this parable, and her actions are very interesting. In the midst of this everyday, ordinary act, Jesus describes her as taking leaven or yeast, and there's something very surprising about that as well, which we will get to, and she is mixing it with three measures of flour. Now, my friends, three measures of flour, according to the commentators, would feed 100 to 150 people. And she's doing this without a Hobart mixer. And also in the text, the New Revised Standard Version translation really doesn't do it justice. It says that she took yeast and then mixed it or put it in with the flour. But the Greek word there is hid. She took yeast and she hid it. And it sat there until all of this huge amount of flour was leavened. And one commentator said this, In working with such an enormous amount of flour by herself, this woman had either lost her mind or she was working for the kingdom bakery. Another surprising thing about this is the notion of yeast itself. In Jesus' time, yeast was a metaphor for something scandalous. It was considered an unclean substance. It was something that you couldn't control, and if it got on something, it could make it rot. But even this unclean substance could be something to use for nutrition, And using it in flour, it becomes something that is useful and good for the health of the body. And I would imagine that the hearers, those that were standing by listening to Jesus talk about this, were thinking, why is he using yeast to talk about the kingdom of God? But yet, it is this hidden thing that causes bread to rise. Hmm. It's interesting to think about God in the quotidian, God in the everyday. 
Because when God gets a hold of something that seems very common and unremarkable to us, it ceases to be very common and unremarkable, does it not? We're talking about faith promise today. Um, More than just missions for our church. The promise that we hold to and the faith that we have in God taking our little, everyday, routine actions and making them into something that is kingdom-worthy. You'll hear a little bit later about a mission team that Pastor Clay is putting together to go to Louisiana at the end of March to do some flood relief and rebuilding there as a result of the floods from last year. And they're going to be using hammers and nails and brooms and mops and all that kind of stuff that is the stuff of our everyday existence, but that God will use as the stuff of the kingdom. Those people who go to Sager Brown, to the Umcor Depot, and assemble health kits, you know, a toothbrush, a little thing of toothpaste, a washcloth, a hand towel, six band-aids, And you roll them all up, put them in a Ziploc bag, and then they're combined in a box with other health kits. And those boxes are combined into a pallet. And those pallets are stored away and hidden in the Umcor Depot until they are summoned forth to go to some part of the world that has need. Like, for instance, all those refugee camps in Lebanon. And my friends, what we learn in this is that nails aren't just nails. Band-aids aren't just band-aids. Toothbrushes aren't just toothbrushes. Coffee that we make here in the garden room is not just coffee, but is indeed the kingdom welcome of God to anyone who walks through these doors. And we can be the stuff hidden that God uses to do the work in the kingdom bakery. (laughs) Bakers, every one of us, if we but just allow God to use the everyday stuff of our lives, we are all bakers in the kingdom bakery. And the one that we call Lord and Savior can use each and every one of us in living out God's hope and God's promises for the world. Amen.